Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. New team! Assemble! For the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Featuring site publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian, along with videographer Eddie Radosevich. It's the unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com. All right, welcome back. It is another edition of the unofficial 40. Carrie Murdoch alongside Josh McQuistian and Eddie Radosevich here. On this uh, January 18th, as we're recording this uh, here podcast, and uh, it's a sad podcast because there's no more football, but we've still got a lot of football recruiting going on. Trey Young show, uh, even though it sucked at Kansas State for the first time all year, it is uh, just picking up, and it was uh, kind of an interesting week just because I don't know what happened at ESPN. You know, they fired all their they're journalists, so now they are just running rampant with little analytic nerd jackholes and decided that this was the week that they just shit on Trey Young. And uh, then when he didn't have a good game, it was like... It kind of played right into their Yeah, hands. it was kind of like, oh, God, we were right. My God, can you believe it? I mean, God forbid that a 19-year-old freshman has his first <laughs> bad game in college. And then they were just like, see, we told you. We told you that he was going to be wrong with the shooting and the, the jumping and the throwing and the ball and the turnovers. Kind of funny that the night that he sets the all-time record for quickest to 500 points, he also has the most turnovers in a game in Big 12 history. You know what's bizarre, though, is like I was watching the Thunder last night and they, they were talking about how Russell Westbrook had seven turnovers in a quarter. And, like, they made it out like he was, you know, just a shit show because he had 12 turnovers in a game. When I would say he handles the ball a lot more than even Russell Westbrook does. In oh, the yeah. There's no doubt. I think at one point going into last week, uh, I think 83 point, like, it was like 83.7% of Oklahoma's offense ran through Trey Young. According and, to all the stats. Of yeah, the, and when you, uh, when you the turn the ball over 12 times, that's going to happen. It wasn't good. Uh, going to Manhattan is never good for long Kruger Sooners. For no, some Oklahoma reason. can't win up there. It's just ridiculous. I don't know what's crazier. The fact that they haven't won up there since 2012, uh, led by a Tommy Mason Griffin. I think it was a coast-to-coast basket <laughs> at the end of the game. Or the fact that I don't think Oklahoma has scored over 70 in Manhattan since, like, it's a shit it, show. It's, it's a long time. I think it's 2003, but uh, it's been a long time. Uh, there's been, it's been kind of an interesting week. There's been some, uh, I mean, the Jerry Schmidt stuff happened. I can't even remember last time we did the podcast. I think we were maybe, maybe just kind of hinting at it. It, it, it happened like 
I, I, the I day think the we, news had, was, had come out that it, we hadn't... Had it come out? Yeah, I think it had come out, and we were just kind of figuring... Because I remember talking about a uh, homeboy from Kansas State, I thinking he should be the guy, and obviously, I think that it Chris was him. Chris Dawson. Or, yeah, Chris Dawson or Benny Wiley. And Did we mention even Benny Wiley last week at this time? I can't remember. No, because I think that... You Is put Josh out alive? Josh, are you there? Saturday. No, I'm here. Okay. I'm here. Hey, Josh. I'm, I'm enjoying this like everybody else. Just We're just reminiscing. We're reminiscing over the week. Reminiscing. <laughs> uh, Josh, is it still sleeting frozen rain in Houston, or are you guys like at 80 degrees now? No, it'll be, I think, 68 by the weekend. I think Saturday, yeah, Saturday 67, Sunday will be 70. But it's still high of 42 here right now. I mean, which... In Houston is is like five in Oklahoma. Like that, that that's how it's so serious. Everybody, you know, like wrapping their pipes and all this crazy stuff. I'm like, guys, it's barely gonna freeze. Like, just calm down a little bit. But every year we go through this, and Tiffany and I sit around and laugh at how crazy everyone becomes. But this year, I will say, this is actually a realistic freeze. Our first year. We had a warning like this, and we had one tree in our yard that had a little bit of frozen, you know, a little bit of ice on it, and that was all we saw the whole time. My uh, my neighbor came over the other day and asked me, like, this was in the this was at night, but somebody knocking on my door, and I'm like, who the hell is that? And it was my neighbor asking me if my if I had water, because I guess their pipes had frozen, and I Damn. didn't know really what to do in that situation i was like are you asking me if my pipes are frozen or are you asking me like if you can have some water like <laughs> and are you asking me like can you come in and take a shower because like i i just felt like it's kind of one of those things where i was just kind of like i don't want to let someone come in and just take a shower you know who i bet does have water embassy suites about a mile away from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true i did kind of feel that way like I'm sorry you don't have water, but you can't come in. That's been happening all over Oklahoma City. I, I've the, seen Oklahoma City trucks like constantly out, and you can tell that they're working on piping or whatever they do. You can you just tell when you know something like that is going on. The area of Houston that Tiffany and I lived in when we moved down here, there was a warning sent out this morning. They can't even run their water right now. Uh, they have to boil it. Like any water you drink or bathe or wash your hands, I mean anything, you have to boil it for more than two minutes. It has to be boiling for two minutes Jeez. before you can even use it. There's some sort of major malfunction at the water treatment plant. I mean, it, it's, I mean, like I said, this city has no idea how to deal with anything below 50 degrees. This is the worst, like, 12 months of weather in Houston history, right? It's got to be on the short list. I mean, they've had, you know, you go back to some of the, uh, you know, I think it was Rita uh, that was the big one that hit in like 08, 07, something like that. And it was bad. No, Ike. I'm sorry. That was Ike. And it was bad, but it, it wasn't like the water damage and all this stuff. It's, it's lingering stuff that just can't get rid of. And you guys know, I mean, anybody that lives in Oklahoma can remember the ice storm of like 07, like. It's not anything like that, but the magnitude, because this city has no ability to cope with it, for every, you know, you compare the size of the city, probably for every four salt trucks that Oklahoma City has, Houston has one. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's just, they, they have no way to deal with this stuff. I think I saw that Houston now has officially more snow 
than Oklahoma City for uh, the you for know the for the, like for the month or the just the last two months, I guess, whatever it was. Because then they have something about a month ago too, as well. Yeah, yeah, that was Laney's first ever experience. Oh yeah, that's right. Snow. We literally right. stayed home. Yeah. Um, the problem is this time it's like what is on our house is more just like frozen like ice on the ground. But when it sits on the ground, it looks like snow. And so I keep out like Laney wants to go play in the snow. And I'm like, baby, that's not snow. That, that's not <laughs> you're, you're just you're not going to have any fun with that at all. You're just going to slip and fall. And so she, it, it's you know, and she's three and a half. That, that concept makes no sense to her. Okay, so kind of uh, what's going on right now is that we're uh, we're tracking junior days. I guess this would you would kind of consider this one coming up this weekend, Josh, kind of the small one with the big one yet to come. Is that kind of how this is shaping up? That's what it looks like, and I think part of it is due to the basketball schedule. And I'm not is that, a, that no, that's not Bedlam. I can't remember who they Texas. have coming in that day um, for the second one. It's like February seventeenth, Texas. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I fixed it. I had it in my head. It was a rivalry game, um, but. So I think they're pushing a lot more to that. I know, especially a, a lot of, you know, we've talked about it a little bit privately. I know a lot of the secondary guys will be there. I think you're going to, uh, and when I say secondary, I mean, you know, defensive backs. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of the Dallas area guys. Like I expect Theo Weiss to probably come to the one in February. So you'll see some other names there. This one I think was always meant to be a little smaller. I think a little more, I don't know if intimate's the right word. Now, I certainly don't think these are, you know, the guys that are here, these are OU's top targets. I don't think it's like that. I think Oklahoma is just trying to kind of pick certain guys that maybe they feel like they can either close on or they're really close with or that they can make some decisions about. You know, like uh, for an in instance, Cole Mashburn, there is a lot of talk of where he'll fit for Oklahoma. I know they love him as a football player. He's probably not a defensive end for Oklahoma. I think he's more of an H-back type if they want to go that way with him. And I think there's there's some decisions to be made if they want to do that. So I, I think you're just seeing a lot of a smaller group that Oklahoma maybe still has some things to work through on. And I think to me that's, I mean, that's a really interesting part of Lincoln Riley now being the head coach, not having Bob Stoops around is – the jumbo athlete like uh Dimitri flowers is leaving who's gonna kind of uh, are they still interested in kind of picking up that that you know mantle of of having really impressive big jumbo athletes on this on this team and in this offense because i think you look at jeremiah hall and you wonder well is he really kind of the same uh, you know, on that same plane as all these other guys have been in the past, the Trey Millards and the uh, the Dimitri Flowers. And, yeah, I mean, you look at Cole Mashburn, and, I, yeah, he could be kind of a special, you know, utility offensive guy. I mean, I, I think he's a hell of a defensive player. I mean, I don't know. I'd say he's, what was he, like 6'2", probably? 6'2 and a half, 6'3", three, three maybe? I, I think he's probably on the high side of six two. I don't know if he's pushing. I don't know if he's actually pushing six three. But I mean, I've been around him a lot. I, 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 I'm. He just always seems like that guy. You're just kind of like. I wish he was a little bit bigger. Yeah, I. I think he could really play that H back role. I. I don't think that he has a like. I, Norman I mean, North I kind of think he could be a defensive lineman still, though. I mean, just he is. 
he's just a scrappy kid. I yeah. mean, he's like he, I, he's I, one of those. He, he's one of those guys where the sum is better than the parts. Like you watch him, yeah. And you're like, Damn, that dude makes a lot of plays. And then you look at him and you're like, I mean, I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. Cole Mashburn's a good football. He's a good athlete. I mean, it's not a guy that like you look at him. You're like, what the hell happened here? How did this guy make all these plays? It's not bad. It's just, but if you you look at him and then you go look at Colin Clay at Putnam City, there's no comparison. Yeah. Colin Clay's a big, long, good-looking athlete. I mean, he's what you're looking for. And Mashburn's just a little squattier, a little shorter arm, a little shorter legged, uh, just more compact in general. But you turn on the tape, and I mean, his tape is as anybody in Oklahoma to, short of Daxton Hill. Yeah, and to be, I mean, since he was a sophomore, he's been making plays on the defensive line in Class Six A. I mean. To me, that says something. I, I mean, could he be a three technique? I don't know, but I mean, I, he just makes plays. I mean, is he is he like Corey Klein? Possibly. I mean, is he one of those guys? Is he just one of those guys that you put him on a football field and he finds a way to make be a difference maker? That, that's. I mean, to me, that's his case. And if I'm him, that's what I go with. You know, you guys can recruit me at this. You can recruit me at that. If you'll give me a chance, I'll make plays for you. I'll, I'll do you know what you need to do, and that, and like I said, his tape backs it up. Because guys, we've spent what two years talking about Bray Walker. I've seen two straight years Cole Mashburn beat up Bray Walker. I mean, now Bray's upside is better than Cole's. That, that's just the nature of the beast. He's got a lot more room to grow as a player and as an athlete than Cole does. And this is where. You know, we always have to get into these things where we talk to fans about there's a difference between player and prospect. Cole Mashburn's a better player right now. Bray Walker is a better prospect because there's so much room for him to grow. And, you know, that and to me, that's when Cole Mashburn made his name as a sophomore, like you mentioned, Kerry, when he went out for Norman North, when Bray was still at Southmore, and he just kicked him up and down the field. I mean, he had a hell of a day against Bray Walker. I, I mean, I'm I'm kind of, you know, it's Norman North. There's a history there, but I almost feel about him like I felt about Jordan Evans. Like, you just got to offer him Take and a find chance. a spot for him. I think especially, too, and Josh, we've talked about it a little bit, not on the podcast, but with the 2019 class, the way it's shaping up in state, it's almost like you you need a couple kids from Oklahoma. I, I think it's a, it's a priority every year that you take kids from Oklahoma. Uh, I don't think that that 2019 list of guys is too long as far as guys that probably deserve an Oklahoma offer. So I think that – I'm not saying that he backs backdoors into one, but I think it's obviously – it's a it's a guy that you want to keep around the state, if well, that makes sense. Well, guys, you look at it. There is a very realistic chance that Oklahoma signs no one from the state of Oklahoma in 2019. It's I mean, so Grayson weird. Boomer's already committed to Oklahoma uh, – excuse me, Oklahoma State – Daxton Hill, his older brother, is Oklahoma State star running back. I mean, th- there's every reason to think that he'll go there. Yes. Now, I think OU has a chance with Daxton Hill. I don't want people to take that the wrong way. I'm just saying there's every reason to believe Oklahoma State would be the choice for him. Well, who's that next guy? Who, who does OU have to offer after that? I, it's just not a great year in the state. There's a lot of guys like Cole Mashburn that are good players but they've got question marks. Where do they fit? Are they big enough? Are they fast enough? Do they fit into Oklahoma's scheme? I mean, there's there's a bunch of things. And I'm with you, Eddie. There, I'm not one of those guys that's like, you got to recruit Oklahoma, you got to recruit Texas. I, I don't really believe that. But I do think it's good for OU when there's a few guys in every class 
that it means something to them to play at Oklahoma. Yeah. And I think for Cole Mashburn, it would matter for him to play at OU. You need some guys like that. It's good for I don't I don't I kind of hate morale, but I, I just think it helps. Even the guys that show up, uh, Brendan Radley Hiles, who's never been to OU Texas, probably has never even watched it, but he gets to be around guys that grew up watching this game, wanting to play in it, that sort of stuff. It gives him some perspective on the magnitude of that situation. It, it and it even screw that. Just being an Oklahoma football player and what that means to people, I think it helps guys that that don't have any reason to know. Oh, I mean, there's no doubt that when SportsCenter runs a piece on Baker Mayfield and he has a OU jersey on at a game when he was eight years old, that endears him to the to the fan base even more. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's something to it. And that's probably a different, I guess, different way of looking at it. But, yeah, I, I think there's something to it. All right, uh, let's talk about, real quick, uh, kind of some of the things that have happened recently. Um I, I I'll admit when I saw the picture uh, that was released by uh, Moro Ojomo of him and uh, Tank Jenkins, I couldn't believe how big that dude was. Man, I was just like, wow. When you consider like how Homer big Simpson Marcus staring Jenkins at donuts, is, when you you know how big Jenkins is, and then you're like, I don't know it. It was impressive, Josh. Guys, you want a friendly reminder? Moro Ojomo is 16 years old. That's, That's insane. insane. I, <laughs> like he turned I, 16 during the season. Like he's not even that close to 17. I guess the the biggest question be why did they wait so long for a guy like that? <laughs> yeah, well, what I, the I think f- are oh, you ahead. thinking? There, I'll I'll I'll, I'll f bomb it. <laughs> I mean, my I, I God, that kid is unbelievable. Yeah, and you know I've said it for a couple podcasts in a row. Go back and watch the North Shore tape. That dude, that that should get him, that should have gotten him 20 offers by itself. And I can tell you from what I gather talking to North Shore folks and some of my sources, that was a huge part of Oklahoma offering him. It kind of was a deal. You know, back, back in December when it didn't really look like Oklahoma was going to take another defensive lineman, there was kind of a, this undercurrent of, this guy's too good not to take. I mean, Oklahoma almost got of the opinion, we're going to have to find some way to make this happen. And now it looks like Oklahoma may take two defensive linemen, as I put up in our notes earlier today. They so should. I mean, they that, should take three if they could. That, if they yeah, could I don't understand. Back. Like, if, if they needed so much talent along the defensive line, why aren't you just stockpiling it? Like, yeah. I don't care if the kid I, – I don't care if the kid has a felony. You take him. Okay, that's a little far. If I feel – like you can improve me, uh, improve my play, or that you can play at the level that I want to compete for national championships on the offensive line or defensive line. I, I frankly, I don't care what we have on campus. I don't care. Like we will find a way to get you into school. Like we will find a scholarship for you. It's too hard to find really talented we'll big bodies. Find a way to fix your grades. Yeah, the, we we will find. Yeah, no, I mean you know compliance cover years. We're getting you into school like that. That's happening, and, I, and that's that's the biggest fight that Oklahoma will always have to fight. And we talk about this every time, guys. They don't have like Georgia and Alabama don't have to leave a two hundred mile radius of their school to stock their two deep in offensive linemen and defensive linemen. OU Yet does they'll still so come when, to Texas and steal people, which is exactly. So when OU has an opportunity to land an elite guy, I don't. I, I've never understood it, and this is not something that. 
I'm jumping on board with OU because it looks like they would be willing to take both a Jomo and Michael Thompson. I've always felt this way. If you can get a big body that has ability, Did you, call you in the bag man. find a way to make that happen. And you call in the bag man. If, you know, they it, need... It, 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 Eddie's there. Eddie's not above it, guys. So. I, Eddie doesn't have the money, though. That's yeah, funny. I don't have the money. I, well, I mean, no, somebody else will have I'm to willing, fill the bag. I'm willing but to Eddie cheat. Will carry I, I just don't have the funds. You'll carry the bag <laughs> to and from. You just need the bag. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I definitely. I, I don't know if I would personally do it, but I think there's... You know a guy? Yeah, I know some people. I know some guys. I think we all know some guys. <laughs> I think they're I'm called Sooner Scoopers. I'm, I'm I'm afraid that we're getting ready to start the Sooner Scooper Bagman Network, so we need to just. Shut oh, it's up already about been it. started. Uh, so, uh, Moro Jobo, uh, he came in for his visit. He, he he the only thing that we really know is he tweeted out he had the time of his life over the weekend. I know you and Bob both tried. Uh, he's just not a guy. Like you said, he's 16. He's not really into the whole interview stuff. Uh, but what? What is the word on the street, Josh, about Jomo and and what where you think that he is right now in his recruiting process? Well, coming into the weekend, I didn't give OU much of a chance. I the word I had heard was he was a guy that was going to be very big on academics, and I and not that that's against OU, but when they're recruiting against Texas and Notre Dame, that that's a tool that's going to get used against them. It just is. I think we all know that. And he's going to Notre Dame this coming weekend. The rumor was is he was going to visit, or not the rumor, it was believed he was going to visit Texas for the last weekend, and that was going to be a really hard hill to kind of climb for Oklahoma. Following his official visit, and then Oklahoma seeing him again, I, uh, for an in-home, I don't know that I would say Oklahoma leads, but it's really, really close. I mean, that they are... Right there with anybody, if he if he committed OU tomorrow, it wouldn't surprise me. And I don't think I would have believed that possible a week ago. So they, they've, they've really turned it around. They've made him a priority. I think probably with the exception of Leon O'Neal, I don't know that there's any guy that OU's pushing harder for. They really want him. They really want Michael Thompson as well. But I get the feeling if they had to pick between the two, Ojomo might be the guy. How- so... Go ahead. I was just going to say, how much does it help that Oklahoma has had success in Katy? Oh, I mean, there is no question that him, you know, having a chance with Rodney Anderson. What I have heard, interestingly, is he has started, you know, we, we and we'll get into this in a second with the Leon O'Neill and Roy Williams stuff. I have heard that another former OU defender has befriended Ajomo. It's Chuka and Dulaway. Oh, and he is in Norman, but he's on staff. Th- so there, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. So there's a connection there, but I, I get the impression that they've hit it off and there's some kind of trust some, you know, and uh, you know, I, you hate to assume, but you would, uh, there is probably some fair assumption in, they have some similar background, you know, right. families from similar areas, that kind of thing. So I think there's probably some easy connection there. And I definitely think he likes Chuka and likes OU. He likes Calvin Thibodeau a lot. So I think Oklahoma is having to play catch-up. I mean, Texas offered him at least a month before Oklahoma did. Uh, A&M has been on him for a long time. But I can tell you from what I'm hearing, if if Texas is the leader, if you want to go that way, 
the school that I have heard they are absolutely concerned about is Oklahoma. They they think Oklahoma is a very real threat in this thing. I can tell you that uh, Ojima, he came to the basketball game uh, last Saturday while he was taking his official visit, and Chuka Ndule was with that group, and he spent a lot of time with them. They, I mean, I in fact, I think they sat together. Chuka's a good dude. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. And if memory serves me, an Arsenal fan, so an even better dude. Yeah, so. he is a big soccer guy. He's a soccer guy, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Uh, hey, hey. I remember when we went to St. Louis for the Rivals camp, and, you know, everybody was kind of pointing out everybody, and obviously Ronnie Perkins was one of the main guys we were there to see. But I remember, you know, Michael Thompson being at that camp, and Josh, you were kind of shitting on him, kind of like, uh, you know, he's a really good player, but he's never going to qualify. Yep. Uh, and uh, so don't worry too much about him. And then all of a sudden, like you said, you can't, you really have to turn over every rock possible. But now Oklahoma sits here finding itself uh, really chasing down Michael Thompson here as of late. So I guess the question is, Josh, you told me, you know, hey, don't get burned by this kid. He's probably not going to make it. So now we sit here and OU is chasing down this kid and everybody's like, oh, Michael Thompson, can OU get him? And my question is, where where is he if OU could land him? I mean, he's obvious. OU's making a big push socially. Uh, he seems to be reciprocating a lot there. Is this a situation where OU is just kind of hanging by a thread, hoping that maybe this kid somehow finds a way to get eligible and they're going to put in a lot? I, I mean, I guess part of that is, this shows you what early signing day is, is they can afford to kind of go out and chase this kid and, and maybe hope for the best. It, that's exactly right. I mean, this is a situation where if there wasn't early signing day, oh, you would have to be worrying about Ronnie Perkins and having to make sure that the, he was still in the, you know, he was still in the fold, Ron Tatum, Jordan Kelly, but they've got those guys all on board. Ronnie Perkins is already on campus. So, I mean, they've, they've covered a lot of the bases they needed to. And, with Thompson, like I said, as of a month ago, I had still heard that grades were a problem. He wasn't going to qualify. That was, hell, guys, that was the talk at the Army Bowl. I mean, like two weeks ago. And I it, and I remember it crossed my mind to go talk to him and say, you know, hey, you heard anything from Oklahoma? Just kind of checking in. But I, I wrote it off. I, I thought, nope, there's nothing going on here. I thought, again, if Oklahoma was going to go after anybody, it was going to be a Jomo, and that was going to be it. But they've changed their tact. I mean, they're bringing him in this weekend for an official visit. I Oklahoma, from what I can gather, they think he's going to qualify. And I, I think it's going to be close. I mean, it's, it's one I'm sure they'll be – whoever signs him will sweat it out until May. And maybe, you know, maybe he's a guy that even has to take a couple classes after graduation or whatever to get some – get some uh, turnover in his grades or whatever. But if if that can happen and Oklahoma could land both of those guys, that's absurd. I mean, that that's Thompson, Perkins, Tatum, Kelly, and Ajomo. That's as good a defensive line class as OU signed in a decade. I mean, probably probably since, you know, McCoy and Adrian Taylor back in 06. I mean, that, that's that's the kind of group you're talking about there. So that's, that's huge. And I, like I said, with Thompson – I think OU has a better shot at Ojomo right now. Missouri has a long-standing relationship with him. Obviously, Missouri's put out several, uh, 
you know, NFL draft picks in recent years, including, you know, the guy Terry Beckner looks like he's going to be the next one at Missouri. So there's a lot of reason for Missouri to make sense for him aside from just, oh, they've been here longer or they're the home state school. But I think, I mean, he's, he's a kid. He certainly understands that he can go to Missouri and maybe, just maybe, he could win an SEC West at some point or another. Or he can go to, there's my dog. Uh, Your dog just coughed go, like a human. Yes, he, he coughs like that. I don't know why he does that. That is so bizarre. Can you do? <laughs> can you make him do that on command? Uh, no, no, he will not. <laughs> that is that's our Australian Shepherd. I'm pretty sure he's kind of like a cat. I think he's just coughing up hairballs. I'm pretty convinced. That but is so um, but no, with with Thompson, like I said, I, I think I think Oklahoma has a chance. They've got to just crush his visit this weekend. That that's that's going to be it to me. If he doesn't walk out of the official with Oklahoma, even in his mind, even if he won't say it publicly, if OU is not in front for him, it's not going to happen. I mean, Missouri just has too many bullets left to fire. By the way, I had no idea. Like, I don't get to sit around on Saturdays usually and watch much football. I had no idea that Terry Beckner had become a stud. Like, yeah. that dude was, like, 32 years old when he was in high school. Do you remember him from, like, <laughs> Rivals Camps and stuff? I remember the name. St. Louis. He was uh, at the Five Star Challenge, I want to say Chicago? Or no, it, it would have been Baltimore. That dude was, like, 32 years old, though. He was the oldest-looking high school kid I'd ever seen. That's he's so like, weird, uh, though, that he's become a stud. goes against my theory that five stars go to die in Columbia. They've had some good ones. Him, Sheldon Richardson yeah, had a nice defensive career. Defensive lineman. I mean, I, if there's any position where Missouri can say we produce guys, it's defensive line. Yeah, that's true. They, they've Shane Ray was a good one. I mean, you go down the list. They've had some really good defensive line. I mean, now so much is built on a guy that's not there right now, uh, the Kugelowski guy. But you know, that's that that's another argument. But like I said, Beckner. I think if Beckner could have been healthy this year, he'd have. Pro- I don't think he announced for the draft. I no, think I think he's coming back. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he's one of those guys that next year, if he can just stay healthy and have a good year, he'll be a, he'll be a first-round pick. Okay, so uh, you mentioned him earlier, and this is kind of one of OU's biggest – and I think it was it's one of those things where, you know, we didn't really know what to expect, and it's it seemed like it picked up steam uh, – and now you kind of wonder exactly where OU is, and we're talking about Leon O'Neal. Uh, but it seems like, I don't know, just just from looking the on the outside in, it's kind of a OU A&M battle. Is that, is that how you see it playing out, Josh? I do. You know, Georgia and Clemson, he still said he's going to take official visits there, and he may even be taking one this weekend. Uh I, I would be lying if I said I'm for sure about his visit this weekend. But with Leon, I don't know. Like, I just struggle to see him getting that far away from home, doing all – especially with A&M, he has the comfort in College Station. He knows the town so well, even if he's learning the new staff. With Oklahoma, he's got all the human connection. I mean, Deshaun White, Buki, Kerry Cooks, Mike Stoops, Lincoln Riley. I mean, there's just a lot of people he's very familiar with and very comfortable with in Norman. And I just think it's going to come down to those two. Right now, I'm picking Oklahoma, but it's close. I mean, I think either one of the schools is a possibility. And I wouldn't rule out Georgia or Clemson. I mean, there's a Hail Mary element for 
the national runner-up and you know last year's national champion. They, they, they can certainly do a lot to impress a guy. But I just think in the end it probably comes down to those two, you know, I guess more regional schools. And I just kind of like where Oklahoma's at because of the relationship between himself and White. And I think that matters a lot. And to go back just a bit, Ronnie Perkins, his relationship with Michael Thompson is going to be a big deal. So that um, that it's usually in years past, I feel like Oklahoma's had some bad breaks where guys that maybe they were going to get ended up going somewhere else because a school landed a player that was a friend or a buddy or whatever. And this year, I feel like there's much more of it's kind of broken an OU favor. I mean, with O'Neal, obviously, you know, I, 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 we haven't even brought this up, but it seems like Kerry Cooks has kind of been the main guy that's, you know, spearheaded his recruiting. Uh, A&M is kind of taking the, well, kind of with everybody, they're trying to overwhelm everyone uh, with their staff and uh, just sending everyone at one time. And we can talk about the Deshaun White situation. Uh, and you know what's developing there, but I, it doesn't even seem like OU has kind of really put the you know kind of put the big guns to O'Neill yet. I mean, you haven't really seen that you know that that full court press. It doesn't seem with him yet. No, um, I I think it with with Leon like it's just I think Oklahoma's played it smart. I don't think they've pushed too hard. I don't think they – I think maybe in early December there was some talk, and it's funny because it was the same talk that was going on around Deshaun White at the same point, that Oklahoma was pushing a little too hard, and it was making not necessarily Leon or Deshaun uncomfortable, but some of the people around them uncomfortable. I think Oklahoma kind of took a step back, and obviously there was always a feeling that Deshaun might sign early or might decide early. So OU went in and did their in-home, and they really sold him. With Leon, I think the expectation's always been that he was going to run this for a while, especially when he decommitted from A&M. And so Oklahoma just kind of tapped the brakes and let Kerry kind of be the lead, let him handle it, and then they'll bring in Lincoln Riley. They'll do all that stuff here at the end and then try to really close him um, just with kind of the sell of, you know all of us. We're, you, know, you can come into my office. You know me. You can go into Kerry's office. You can go into Mike's office. You know, Deshaun might be your roommate. Buki, you know. I mean, you could you you and Buki can start together in the secondary next year. I mean, there's there's just a lot for OU to sell. No, seriously, him. you guys could probably start. Just you got to yeah. sign on the dotted line. Well, you know, it's one of those things where you always hear the pitch. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, to me, Radley Hiles is the better player, but he's got a bigger hill to climb than Leon does, just yeah. because I, I like more of what OU returns at corner than I do at safety. No doubt. No doubt. It, it, so, I it's mean, it's insane. one of those rare pitches that actually is probably true. Yeah. Well, and, and look, you mentioned the whole playing things playing in Oklahoma's favor. I got to think that, you know, Texas A&M, they're, they're trying to now come in on Deshaun White because they know probably, hey, if we can get Deshaun White turned, we could probably get Leon O'Neal too and Josh, if you could, you put it up uh, this morning on the notes, but uh, A&M now going in trying to make a last-ditch effort to to turn to Sean White now. Yeah, this whole deal is one of the strangest I can remember. Um, actually, 
Another very funny one has just come up, and we'll cover that here in a second, but we'll stick with Deshaun White. A&M, from what I can gather from Deshaun, did not schedule anything. They didn't plan. Like, it wasn't even like they attempted to. They just showed up at his door to do an in-home visit. I've never heard of that in my whole life. Because the, the reality is, if they show up and he says no, they're done for that week. Even, even if they don't get in the door, the fact that they had face-to-face contact, it's over. They, they can't. So Deshaun let him in. I talked to him last night. He told me, he was like, it was crazy. It was kind of weird. You know, like you could tell he was just kind of blown away by the fact that they did it. And like I talked about in the notes, for A&M to make that move, says a lot about how desperate they are in the situation. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like it's pretty clear they're not making any headway with him. And so they kind of threw a Hail Mary to see if they could pull something off. Now, I know he told some A&M sites that, you know, Mike Elko, that obviously the new defensive coordinator, was one of the visitors. And he said, oh, you know, he made some good points. But I didn't get the impression that it, it did anything to change where Deshaun is. I think as long as nothing changes with Oklahoma staff, he's going to sign with Oklahoma. Like, I, I just don't have a lot of doubt about him. When he committed, he'd been wanting to commit for a month. I, I just don't think that's going to change. It wasn't like he just woke up one day and decided Oklahoma. He knew what he wanted to do, and he finally did it. So it, it's a really weird story. It's a really funny story. It kind of reminds me, and it's funny because it's also an A&M story, and it's one I've told a bunch of times. I know you're When A&M say. came into the in-home with Adrian Peterson, and, he hit and Adrian sat back in his room yeah. while his parents did the in-home. Like, I I've never heard of that happening either. So it's just funny how that particular school kind of ends up in these situations. But I don't think there's a lot to worry about with A&M right now. You know, it's funny is, I, you know, I knew you were going to mention that story. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that was right before you and I were working together. Yep. And I actually remember calling him while Texas A&M coaches were in his house and he was hiding in his bedroom. And he was like, yeah, they're here. Uh, I'm not going to talk to them. I'm just in my bedroom. They're in the living room. I don't want anything to do with them. There can't be anything more degrading as a coach when you show up at a guy's house and he won't even come out and talk to you. <laughs> Especially a guy you know you want that bad. Yeah. Like you knew, like, because he was one of those dudes, like, it wasn't like, well, if things pan out for him. It's like if he keeps both of his ACLs, he's going to be a first round. Like, are you knocking like, on the door? Will you come and I'm out, telling please? you, Adrian, I'd I'd been to his house. It, he was not. He, he didn't live in a big house. It was a very tiny <laughs> house. There were not many rooms in that house. Like the living room was not even as big as my office. I don't think. It's too funny, and it couldn't happen to a better school. God, who was the coach then? Was it? Was it? Uh, Francione? Yeah. That it, is, he put it in the newsletter? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the Francione newsletter. No, I mean, the thing about Deshaun White is I'm glad it hasn't caused too much panic up to this point because he tweets a lot of stuff, like a lot of stuff that people want to read into or you could read into, uh, which is just like... I don't. I'm not even looking at his Twitter account, but it is a lot of stuff. I I failed to take him off of notifications after the U.S. Army game, so I see everything that he puts out there. But it's a lot of a lot of you know things been weighing on my mind. I got 
I gotta stick to my decisions or you know things like that. And you're just like, oh no, fans are gonna start freaking out if they start trying to read into his tweets. I'm so far out of the uh, the music scene these days that I don't know if like if what stuff some or of the lyrics stuff, yeah, or, or lyrics that I've just never heard of or if it actually means anything. Like you know, Jay Billis is tweeting out lyrics every morning. I think he just makes that stuff up. I think it's lyrics. I think he just makes it up because it always ends with "I got to go to work." Yeah, I, think I he's like just it. making it up. I enjoy it. Jay Billis is kind of a douchebag, but I like what? Him. I like him. I mean, I I, he, I like he's a douchebag that you can like. He went to Duke. Oh, he's a douchebag for sure. Yeah, but like, like this discussion. I like. Jay I Billis. respect what he does. No, yeah, I but think I mean, he's great. He's very he's pro, guys, like, pro athlete. He does shit very... to piss you off, and he doesn't care that it pisses you off. He is a Duke elitist, is what he is. How can you say that? All he does is is promote the fact that the NCAA are a bunch of crooks. Well, I mean, Hitler was a bad guy. Does that mean that I'm really pointing something out that's true, or I mean that's not truthful? But he's anti-Hitler. He probably should well, be. I think he's Jewish. All right, we're going in a weird direction here. <laughs> that took a turn. Uh, so anyway, l- let's talk about this. Uh, Josh, as far as official visits that are coming up, I mean, uh, you mentioned uh, Michael Thompson. Um, what what else is out there, if anything, in terms of OU and official visits? There is not a ton out there. Now, what's interesting are some of the names that haven't really surfaced yet. Um, I'm going to go over several in the scoop tomorrow. I don't want to, I don't want to steal something from our subscribers and, but there will be some new names. There are some guys that it will not surprise me if they take an official visit here over the next couple of weeks. Um, including another one on the defensive line. I mean, Oklahoma is from everything I can tell dead set on taking at least one more defensive lineman. And if they're the right two guys, they'll take two. So there, there's another guy, um, I'll say committed to a power five program that will be mentioned in the scoop tomorrow. So there's some stuff happening out there that, that is going to be really interesting to follow. Um, but, and I also, and it, I guess to further tease just a little bit, I won't go too far because I know it drives some people crazy. You mentioned Jeremiah Hall and who's going to be that next jumbo athlete. I can tell you of at least one guy that Oklahoma is talking to. There, there is a guy from a, a, a guy that's SEC region guy, got a lot of good offers, and Oklahoma is taking a long look at him. So, and again, he'll be mentioned by name, all that good stuff in the scoop tomorrow. And I, like I said, Oklahoma's working on some things. This is not a, they're just riding this out to the finish. They are prepared. Cause I, and I talked about this in a notes thread earlier this week. It looks very much like Oklahoma is going in a very NFL draft direction right now. This is a, they've got a few, clearly on the defensive line, like I said, they want one more. I think with that exception, it's just best available. Who, wherever it may be, they want the best available guy. I think Leon O'Neal's probably at the top of that list. And then I think Ajomo's probably second. I think Tank Jenkins is probably third. And then after that, I think you, there's a bunch of directions it could go, and Oklahoma's going to be fine with that because, like I said, it's more about we really like you and think you can help us more so than, well, we have to take 
you know, X guy because we need a body at this position. To me, defensive line is the only position where it's clear that Oklahoma seems to think they need one more guy. Yeah, Lincoln's been asked a couple of times like where what what his number is in this class. And I've always thought it was kind of strange because he's never wanted to really talk about it, which leads me to believe that that's that's pretty close to that 25. Like they're pretty they're pretty close. What what do you think the number is, Josh, the most that they could take in this class? You know, <laughs> I've always I've been for a while. I haven't really gone north of twenty five, which leaves you two more than what they have right now. I think in the right situation, it could be twenty six. I, I don't think that's crazy. And if I mean, if if they just hit the jackpot and say Leon wanted to come, Tank Jenkins wanted to come, and the two defensive linemen wanted to come, I don't see OU saying no to that. I, I I don't believe it now. I want to be in the room when they process kids. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like that, guys. That's what's going to happen. I mean, it has it's... to happen. If you want to win a national championship, you have to start processing kids. We're sorry, like, it's, Ad it's... Miller. Your time is over. And it it sounds bad right now, and we can get into it. But like the Jordan Austin thing, I just want to take him. I'm sorry. I to me, and we've talked about this. You've got to sit down and just tell Lancaster. Look, he wasn't even all district. I don't think he was first, second, or third team all district. You guys know the deal here. You know we shouldn't be bound to this. You know he's not on our level. You know, what can we do to make this right? Do you need you got a couple underclassmen you like? You know, we'll offer those guys, and you know, of course, you're gonna take it with a grain of salt. But it you know, I Lancaster is not a place full of unreasonable coaches. They know what these kids are, they've been around big time talent, they know who is and who isn't. And I, to me, I think more and more it's becoming Jordan Austin hears all this stuff. And I think there's a growing sentiment that he just wants to go and prove people wrong. Now, in my opinion, he never will. He's going to waste his time and he he could go. If I'm him, I'm going to go Juco and then try to figure something else out. But I think he's got it in his head that he can go play with anybody and he's going to compete with some of these other guys. And, like I said, I've seen him. I've talked to him. I, I want to be clear to Oklahoma fans that think this is just media agenda. There are a lot of people that don't think Jordan Austin can play at Oklahoma. I mean, a lot. And it's not just people that you can write off as, well, they're media and they don't know what they're talking about. Here's the thing to me. If you, if you cut a kid loose and you're Oklahoma, really, to me, it, it's the, what's going to speak loudest is where he ends up. Like if you if you cut him loose and he ends up at Texas State and you are the uh you're you're the Lancaster staff, how are you gonna hold that against Oklahoma? I guess I the biggest thing is you've waited too long and they're gonna hold that against you. They're gonna be like, Well, if you would have let him go before his senior year, then maybe he would have had a chance to find a better landing spot. Like the longer you drag it out, the more it's just gonna hurt you. It seems yep. like to me, because they I, whether I, it's his family or coaches or friends, all they're gonna do is just say, "Well, Oklahoma strung him out so long he couldn't find a better place to land," when he just can't find a better place to land. I I still don't know what happened. I don't know why he got the offer when he did. I don't know. I don't know why it happened the way it did. It was the whole thing was very weird. It felt. 
a little like OU almost got caught up in the moment. You know, he took that visit, and there, you know, and obviously he was spending a lot of time with his brother. And Dakota was that was going into the year. Dakota was going to start, and it was the whole. I don't know. Like it just felt like OU got swept up in the moment a little bit and made a decision they shouldn't have made. Yeah, we gotta and get we gotta get his brother never been able to get out of it. It's like we gotta get his brother who's bigger than him before well, everybody else jumps on him, and we're gonna. God. You guys have seen him. He's he's what you're look. I mean, physically, he looks great. But when you go watch him play, and I mean, I saw him even before the knee injury, and was like, that that's the guy, because the Dakota was the flip. Dakota didn't look like anything, but every time you watch him, all he did was make plays. He was a good football player. He just wasn't big enough. Jordan is the prototype, but doesn't do anything. Anytime I've ever watched him. They put themselves in a really tight spot. <laughs> they did. I it it I, it could. I mean, it could be worse. You could be in a lot worse situations, but yeah. At the same time, I don't know. This probably sounds bad, but Lancaster's not exactly IMG. Like I, yeah. they're they're not Bishop Gorman. I I think you could get away, and I think that people would probably be pissed at the time. But as you said, Josh, those coaches aren't idiots down there. They're a good program. Yep. They know what they are. It's it's not, and you know, I know people. And Eddie, you're not wrong. Like I understand that people are like, oh, you know, it's Lancaster's not IMG, and I get that. But Lancaster's connected to Cedar Hill and yeah. DeSoto, and oh, it's so all it's not it's, it's all it's together. Bigger, and it, yeah, with the way that you know, my impression of the Texas High School Association and the, uh-huh. the coaches, it's not a you don't want to start poking around all you know. You you hurt one of them. It seems like you hurt all of them because. It might be the softest group of individuals in the entire world, but I said it, you didn't. <laughs> no, I mean, it is, it's a group, it's a very fraternal group, man. They don't want anybody messing with what they believe in and what they do. They don't play around about that stuff. So that's, like I said, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I just have this feeling that he's going to end up signing with Oklahoma. But the thing about it is, and you know, we talked a little bit about processing a second ago. I don't think it matters as much as everyone thinks it does. Yeah. Like there are plenty of guys that are on the roster that already know they're not a part of the plan that oh you can you know nicely, I guess if you want, shove out the door. Ricky DeBerry, Marcellius Sutton. I mean, you go down the list. Alex Dalton, Alex Dalton's not part of the plan anymore. There, there's I mean Quinn Mittermeyer, that guy's a senior. Him and Dalton, I mean, you're talking about guys like, guys, if you don't play this year, you're never going to play a meaningful snap of college football. Wouldn't you like to go to UCO or somewhere closer to where, you know, in Sutton or Dalton's case, somewhere closer to home? I mean, they're, and I get that it's harsh. Prentice McKinney's another one. OU's never even bothered to redshirt Prentice McKinney. Like, they're, they, they've got him on the fast track off the roster. Would you like to go somewhere and actually play, man, and like do something, or do you just want to sit here and do nothing? And to me, if you're going to do nothing, well, then we'll we'll give you a bum knee injury, and you can finish out your college education, and we can go sign somebody else. I'd say that's cool. You can send me somewhere else, but you damn sure better send me all the Jordan Brand gear. Yeah, see that you might. I mean, maybe there's an under the table agreement. So. You know what? Bizarre is what you just talked about is like Alex Dalton actually was a starter last year when the season began. Yep. And when's the last time you heard his name? I mean, you guys were there. Well, after that Houston game, he sucked. 
So yep. Well, he kind of go back and look at him on the back. Game. Like you watch that Houston game, he was the one guy that you're like, God, he looks little out there. He looks like a baby. Yeah, he's, compared yeah, to all he's those got big like guys. stick legs. Yep. He's a weird I mean, and dude. that's and I thought Dalton was a good player. I I do, but I mean, who's Dalton gonna overturn? Humphrey, Ford, you know, Powers, no. or Samia? Hell no, none of those guys. By the way, the most bizarre thing that happened on the message board yesterday is when I posted my uh, Creed Humphrey interview from the Rose Bowl, and that thread turned into a fight about Brian LaPack versus Ty Darlington. Jesus Christ. Did what? you even notice that? No. I just went and looked at it last night, like, because I admit, because in the in the interview, Eddie, you remember this? He was talking about Ty Darlington and how mm-hmm. much he helps him and that he's yeah. on staff and you know he was a sinner. And then all of a sudden, somebody was like, Motherfucker, you forgot about Brian LePac. He's the smartest some bitch it's ever been at OU. Like, I I think Brian LePac went to law school, but yeah, he is now back on staff, like as a QC or GA or something. But like Brian LePac never played or started at center for Lincoln Riley. Like, why are you fighting about Brian LePac? Meanwhile, Austin Woods is just sitting there like, hey, I'm here too. <laughs> Yeah, why well, no Austin Woods love? Offensive lineman is the smartest of the group. You know, it's just it's the smartest spot on the roster. There's no question. That was the weirdest thing though that I've seen in a while that that spawned a Brian LePac versus Ty Darlington fight. It's better than fighting about Mike Stoops. So actually, we're probably making. Yeah, progress. I would rather have that. Uh, by the way, we haven't mentioned OU uh, does have a new strength coach, which. That was one of the stranger threads and most awesome threads that's ever been on the Sooner Scoop is uh, a scooper actually being at the embassy suites the morning that Benny Wiley was meeting with the coaches, obviously announcing that he was going to be the guy and made uh, Eddie very proud to have some private investigator level type shots. I know. I was was saying on the way down to the basketball game, I should have stopped at embassy, but little did we know that. We had moles already out there doing God's work. It was impressive. Next time, just get a piss sample. You got to go in after they get to the restroom and get them before <laughs> the water goes down the drain. Uh, Taylor Ham reporting 101. So, Benny Wiley <laughs> is the new uh, strength and conditioning coach. Now, he... Uh, he's got just a... a it's, it's an interesting story. We haven't... We haven't spoken to him yet, but I have to think that is a little bit of an upgrade in personality from Jerry Schmidt. Uh, you mean you don't see Jerry Schmidt going on NBC to do reality no, shows? No, I don't. I don't I don't really see Jerry Schmidt ever doing anything that involves a camera or microphone. No. Probably not. I think we I think I probably talked to Jerry Schmidt. Including the time I ran into him in a Homeland supermarket. I think I talked to him four times while he was at OU in 18 years. I just took the assumption, don't look at him. Don't stare at him. Don't even get video of him. He might break your camera. He was just, he was, a, he was, he was into training. And that was what he did. And it, it started this whole big thing. Like, with all the former players, I know, like, you know, I talked to Dusty a lot about it, Dvorak. Uh, talked to Gabe Eichert about it a lot. 
but just kind of, uh, you know, after Schmitty left, all those guys were in a panic. And they were like, oh, OU, how could they do this? How could they lose him? Like, he's the biggest reason why OU has had success. And I got, I mean, I understood where they're coming from. Like, he, and, and they all say this, and I, I can see how it's believable, but the second most important person in a football program is the strength and conditioning. Like, that's a, that's a cliche, but it's probably, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to sit there and, and, you know, belittle that people believe that. But at the same time, I'm just thinking, He's a strength coach. He's not an offensive coordinator. He's not calling plays on game day. Like, what he does is very important. But are you telling me that if you lose a strength coach that is really good, that you can't get another strength coach that is really good? Like, it seems to me that those guys are out there. That's basically what they're saying. And that's my whole deal with it. Like, it's exercise, guys. Like, I understand it's really evolved exercise, and there's some science to it, and what is the, that sort of thing. What's but the it, Kenny it can Powers? Be not trying to be the best the at Kenny exercising. Powers thing, yeah, yeah. Like it, it can be learned. I, I can't teach someone to be a play caller like Lincoln Riley. I can't teach someone to have that instinct and that skill for when is the right moment to attack, when is not. I can teach you kinesiology. I can teach you know like. I, I can we can work on that stuff. Like and I, that's not to say like I don't want to belittle. I'm with you, Kerry. I don't want to make it like it's not a big deal because yet to me, what's so big about the strength and conditioning staff is they spend more time with those guys than anybody. Yeah, I mean anybody, and that that's a well. Big here's deal. their biggest to me. This is Jerry Schmidt. This was always Jerry Schmidt's, and this was back and forth. It was uh, whether he was doing a good job or not was whether guys were quitting in the off season. Like you're, yes, you're one of your 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 main job is to train guys to build them up to not to you know to make them explosive to not make them too big and bulky all that stuff. I mean all that stuff's been custom discussed forever on the message boards uh, on the Crimson Corner. But the other main job is just making sure that guys don't quit, like that you don't you don't run them off because you're such a hard ass that you're making people quit. I think that there's like a, it's the the strength and conditioning coach. And I put this on the board. I think it's like one third counselor, one third actual strength and conditioning coach, and then one third like being a guy's best friend and a guy that he can talk to outside of the coaching staff. It's like you have to find that that medium, and I think that that's why all the players kind of endeared themselves to Jerry Schmidt because he did do that. But I think at the same time. Kind of like the Bob Stoops thing. 19 years is a long time. Yeah. At some point, you want to get some new new blood in there. And, you know, I, I think in a perfect world, everybody would still like to have Schmitty around. But at the same time, who knows? But remember, there it was changes a, good sometimes. There was a, there was some transition periods for, for Schmitty. Uh, I mean, Josh remembers this. There was a time when OU could not keep offensive linemen in the program. And a lot of guys were quitting during the offseason. And it was always custom discussed about what is Schmitty doing in terms of how he's training these guys? Is he being too hard on them? Is he making them run too much? Is he not making them run enough? Uh, why can't he change his ways and make it easier on those guys? I mean, Josh, you remember those times? Oh yeah. 
I mean, guys, 0-1 and 0-2, that, that, that roster could barely keep a two-deep of offensive linemen. And then, even then, it wasn't a very good two-deep. Between Mark so, Mangino and Kevin Wilson uh, and Jerry Schmidt, they were making life living hell on offensive linemen at OU. Yep. I mean, the guys who survived it were really good. Jamal Brown, West, you know, Wes Sims, you go down that Vince Carter. There were a lot of good players in that group. But if any of those guys got hurt, OU had no answer for it. And... I, I still remember, to this day, uh, we were at summer camp, and Duncan, Oklahoma's own Dylan Dismute committed to Oklahoma <clears throat> right there on the field, and <clears throat> I knew that he was doomed because his dad, maybe he said this to both of us, Josh, or maybe he said it to you and you relayed it to me, but his dad told one of us, yeah, he's committed, but he's scared to death of Jerry Schmidt. And, like, he did not make it until fall camp. He quit before <laughs> his first summer was over because Jerry Schmidt scared the living piss out of him and just quit football. Made it further than Dalton would, so congrats. <laughs> he quit in such, you know, neck-breaking fashion <laughs> that his younger brother, I think, was, who was a pretty good player. Yeah, he was. And probably should have been recruited was largely just passed over. Like, everyone's like, nope, he ain't going to make it either. And I'm not talking about OU. Like, <laughs> yeah. no one recruited him. But and I really think his older brother and how quickly he quit had a had an impact on it. They're like, yeah, he, he's going to be the same story. So um, I just remember it started with Adam Carpenter, and then it didn't end for about, it seemed like six years. Oh, my God, Adam Carpenter. I haven't thought of that name in forever. I think Adam uh, Carpenter just like quit in the middle of a practice because he was like, "F you, man, Gino, I'm out of here." Yeah, he pulled the uh, oh, what's the Dave Chappelle movie that I'm th- uh, the the pothead movie where they're dealing uh, uh, half baked. Yeah, he he did the the guy at the at the fast food restaurant. F you, F you, <laughs> F you, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> now, but you know, Carrie, and that's the thing, like. We always hear these guys that like, oh, Schmidt, blah, blah. There are plenty of guys who are a little more soft-spoken that aren't so glowing about everything that is Jerry Schmidt. Like, I, I think those who, you know, completely bought in and did all the things he wanted, and like Damien said in that post that we've referenced a few times, that were kind of his guys, they all love yeah. it. But there's plenty of guys, and I'm not talking about dudes that transferred. I get that those guys are going to have grievances and beef, but I'm talking about guys that went through the program that, that didn't exactly love all their interactions. I mean, and not that they should. I mean, it's an SNC coach. I know he's going to push you. But they lived on the other side of that coin and didn't feel like they always got the fairest of shade. Does anybody remember that Jerry Schmidt went out of his way to talk shit on Trent Williams? to the Wa- I think it was the Washington Post. A, a lot of belief there that he was involved in the Tony Jefferson stuff, too. Yeah. I don't remember exactly, but I do remember Basically something. Basically said Williams. that he was allergic to working hard. That's what Jerry well, Schmidt said about a guy. And like Trent Williams, like he is now back to, to where he's around the program again. Yeah. But for a long time, he didn't want anything to do with OU. He was down in Dallas at the Big 12 Championship yeah. game. Wearing the weirdest pants I've ever seen. And one of the a side story on that, funny thing, like, they are sticklers about having credentials and stuff down there. He had Trent nothing. Williams had nothing on. He just like, walked in. Like somebody's like, like, say something to me. <laughs> I'm going to crush you if you question my authority here. 
No, but I mean, yeah, I mean, Trent Williams, like, they had to drag him. Basically, Jerry Schmidt had to drag him through workouts. So, I mean, I mean, look, I think the main thing is, and everybody's like, oh, Jerry Schmidt changed my life. And yes, he, I'm sure he did. But if it were, if Jerry Schmidt had another name, would it just be him? Like, if it were another strength coach, like, these high school kids have no idea how hard you have to work in college. And I don't think that's exclusive to OU or Jerry Schmidt. I think anytime any kid goes to a college strength and conditioning program, it's 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 life changing for them yeah. because they've never been through anything like that. If I mean, if it were, and again, I feel like I'm crapping on Jerry Schmidt. And that's not my intent here. Oh, but, well, f- him! He's gone. Uh, hold on, let me mark that. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, like, I'm gonna run into him at a, in a restroom and like somewhere in Texas. Big dog. Uh, (laughs) It's gonna be like one of those movies. Hey, big dog, you talking shit on me? You'll run into then I'm gonna shit myself at a Bucky's. Yeah, (laughs) next to Josh. Definitely, he's arguing with gay biker the uh, uh, the who is marrying into the Love family. Way to go! I I want to be noted. I I with Gabe. I understand why he takes you know why he would prefer loves if he wasn't marrying very very wisely for his future. There's just no competition, man. He'll tell you he had, He'll tell you this. He had no choice in the matter. He's just like Caroline just said, "You're my boyfriend. We're getting married." Like he was just caught up in a whirlwind. Uh, That's the way okay. this stuff goes. Yeah, she's a love. She just like gets what she wants, and she wanted a gay biker, so he's just fortunate. Yeah. But anyway, hey, yeah, you're fighting go, you're fighting you with the loves. Like you're you're fighting with the loves family about how much better Bucky's. You're fighting with people about Quick Trip and that it ain't shit. Quick Trip's madness. The love affair of Quick Trip is baffling. It makes no sense. What it is it's it's because Quick Trip's they, loves they aren't Bucky's. in Oklahoma City. Any of them want to sponsor the everyone podcast, in Oklahoma. Yeah, o- everyone in Oklahoma City really wishes that they had Quick Trip so they romanticize it into some Great. It's you're right. It's just a, a fill up station. Yeah. I mean it it's a nice gap. like I'm not bag like Bucky's is almost unfair. They pay their guys like it's insane. They pay them almost double minimum wage. Like they they're gonna have better employees that do better things because they pay their people really well. I've never and been so into everything's Bucky's. clean and well kept and every it's just it's a really nice thing. It's almost like not a gas station. Yeah, Gabe, I've never been into a Bucky, so I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. We're loves people. And that, like, I don't... Unless Bucky's wants to sponsor the podcast. Beef jerky alone. Like, they could have poo on the walls, and I'll still get the Robinson beef jerky as long as it's, you know, sealed. But... That stuff is that, overrated. Oh, you're mad. That, that That's some of the finest beef jerky. Give me Oberto any day of the week. Oh, God, Carrie. For a guy who's a foodie, like you know, good food, you eat some awful stuff. El Phoenix, Oberto. I mean, you have some weird. <laughs> Oberto is the it's the Cadillac of the beef jerky. Oh the, God! It's no. the Cadillac <laughs> of the name brand beef jerky. It's so much better than Jack Links. Oh, okay. well, that's fine. I wouldn't eat any of that stuff. It's all awful. That Robertson stuff is just hard. You know, rip your teeth. I mean. Eddie would lose all of his teeth if he had to eat that beef jerky. Eddie, do you have bad teeth? I have perfect teeth, besides the time that I knocked my tooth out. Which was recently. Just <laughs> eating a peppermint. 
Or and chewing his, on a straw, one of the two. And his tooth just crumbled. It did. His front tooth. It was really it was, messed up. Uh, guys, fu- I mentioned earlier when we were talking about the Deshaun White thing, a funny story that I just cannot leave out. I posted something about it on the board. About half an hour ago, R.J. Henderson, the five-star wide receiver in 2019, who is expected to be there for Junior Day this weekend and is also a one-time OU commitment, he tweets out that he got a Tennessee offer. No big deal. I don't know if you guys remember, because I sent it to you privately a few days ago, when he blasted oh, yeah. the Tennessee oh, coach yeah. uh-huh. who had made fun of guys asking for new followers and that sort of thing. So it's funny how this, like, in recruiting, like these relationships that can't be mended, well, that one got mended in, like, three days. Yeah. And now the kid has an offer from Tennessee. And he's one of those guys that, that coach was bagging on because he's always looking for followers. The Maybe more so than I can remember. It seems like the 2019 group of kids, they love them some Twitter attention. And that, to, to put it point blank like that, that's saying a lot because these kids love their attention. Uh, but it seems like this group of 2019 kids, maybe more so than others. Which I don't understand the clamoring for followers when you're not committed. Because I does it just not strike kids that, None of those people are going to follow you after you commit somewhere. Like <laughs> no, they're so. they're meaningless. They're meaningless followers. They're not well, really. They're not really there for you, in, in, unless you choose their school. Who was the coach that offered him at Tennessee? I don't know? know. I don't know. That guy. That guy say, might be soft. I can say the the thing is, even if they do offer you, you're gonna or that they do follow you, you're gonna wish they didn't. Because when you choose Alabama over Tennessee, those Tennessee fans are not oh, going to just yeah. go quietly into the night. They yeah. are going to rip you apart. Oh, you mean the fan base? You mean the fan base that wanted Greg Schiano to go to prison will treat a 16-year-old kid nicely? It's amazing. Or won't treat him? Like that. There's not a lot of. Um, well, I mean, when you're being led by Clay Travis, there's no room for any sort of you know brain power. <laughs> That's true too. All right, um, Josh, anything else uh, you want to get out there on the recruiting trail before we get out of here? No, I mean, like I said, we've covered most everything. There's only a few bases. I mean, I guess, you know, we could, I I guess, hit a couple of the highlights of Junior Day. You know, some of the guys are going to be there. But, I mean, we can do more of that next week. I will say, really, you know, Theo Weiss won't be there. He's one of the guys that I think is really considering a decision – one of the guys that hasn't confirmed definitively that he'll be there, but I think there's a good chance of it, is Marcus Stripling, the defensive end from Mady Creek, excuse me, in Houston, that OU is making a big run at. I really think they are really making some headway. So, I mean, there's a lot of good, really good players. Marcel Brooks, R.J. Henderson that we just talked about, E.J. Doma Ogar, who was the MVP of the Army Combine a few weeks ago. Uh, Austin Stogner, the big-time tight end commitment that really impressed a lot of people at the uh, Under Armour uh, Future 50 event uh, right before the Under Armour game. Uh, Stacy Wilkins, a big-time offensive lineman from Arkansas. I mean, so there's there's a lot of good guys, and that's the thing. You know, you guys can remember we talked a little bit about how things have changed, but years ago Oklahoma would have 60 guys, and there might be 10 that mattered. Every guy they bring into these junior days, they're legit dudes. Now, they may not all end up with an OU offer, but these are guys that are going to go major Power 5 programs. I mean, these are guys that have Florida offers, Arkansas offers, Georgia offers, you know, you go, Ohio State. You know, you go down the list, there are a lot of 
obviously really, really talented guys on this list. I feel like, uh, you know, our last podcast was kind of, <laughs> we were at a much different place. And it's, it's amazing how different a week uh, changes things or how different things can be after a week. But you remember like our, our last podcast, it was basically, it was a should Mike Stoops still have a job podcast. Like that seems so long ago now from everything that's been happening. Uh, and, and, you know, some of this Carrie Cook stuff was floating around out there. It's still, I mean, to me, yeah, you're still kind of in a little bit of a uh, wait and see approach with what happens with all the coaches. Uh, I think once Lincoln Riley kind of announces what's going to be, I, I'm not going to say this is definite, but I I would think that once Lincoln Riley announces his 10th assistant, that probably tells us that the staff is intact for next year. I just feel like that's kind of where this is headed. Like the whole carry. They better sell. They better sell full body armor to games next year for some of these coaches. If there's a couple of these guys back, like I think there could be physical attacks on them during games. Like Look, I fans, haven't changed my, my fans. I really haven't changed my position on things. I mean, uh, no, Mike hasn't done a good job. If he got fired, I could understand why. But. And Deshaun White, you need to get him to sign. But man, if Tim Kish is still here, I just yeah. But you know I, what? If they if they get Deshaun White, that's a lot of Kish. So I yeah. guess. But but still, the one guy doesn't outweigh the seven that he's missed out. And on. it's one guy though. I mean, right. it's not. Oh, Deshaun White has to win a Lombardi. Nick if, Benito is not Tim Kish's. No. And the one guy is a good one, but it's not like he just signed, you know, Baron Browning. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 the Kerry Cook stuff, that's kind of just been in the ether almost. It's like there's no, no one's told me, yeah, they've told Kerry Cooks he needs to leave. But just everything that has transpired, whether it's the, you know, the, the smoke around the A&M job, uh, him following Notre Dame coaches, um, it it I mean it just seems like he knows like okay maybe uh, if and maybe it's just as simple as he feels like Mike Stoops might be on the way out. If, maybe it's just that. If OU wouldn't have made a playoff, if they wouldn't have won the Big Twelve, would there already have been oh, actions? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So. Basically, by them succeeding and OU fans cheering for, but they succeeded champion. for a reason. I right. mean, you have no, to give those I'm guys saying. credit for their success. No, that, yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. But it's just kind of ironic and kind of funny that with all the success that Oklahoma had, it actually hurt your chances of seeing a lot of turnover to date. That's such a weird, I mean, debate though. I, that's how. F- up and how weird these people think i but i mean you had success so basing the success off let's okay what is the record of that team if they have a middle of the road college football offense seven and five maybe maybe they don't be what is the success of the offense 
just carrying your dead corpse through the season have to do with anything? That defense was useless for a huge part of the year. Yeah, yeah. they were. Yeah, they were. And that's I'm why not, was, I, I'm I just not, they need an upgrade in personnel. But again, that, I, that's just, it's the same thing I always come back to. That's like getting mad about like the, the chef blaming someone else when he picked all the food and he cooked it. This is your personnel. This is who you recruited. This is what you brought in, and this is who you coached. Yeah. What are you mad about? I I will say this, um, and I think Lincoln Riley, and I've said this, I've talked about this before, but Lincoln Riley is, uh, is obviously making a concerted effort to slow the tempo a little bit, to to try and limit plays, to give his defense a chance. And the thing is, if your offense is middle of the road, you're not scoring three play 50 second drives left and right. Like your defense isn't out on the field as much. Like Iowa State, they can play a certain way defensively that Oklahoma or Oklahoma State can't because Oklahoma and Oklahoma State have such explosive offenses, their defenses are at a disadvantage. They don't, they, you can't. To me, you cannot judge OU and OSU's defenses the same way that you can TCU's. Because TCU is more of a ball control. Even though they're spread, they're still more of a ball control offense than what OU and OSU are. And they're less of an explosive offense. Where, like, OSU... They can. How many one play drives did they have throwing eighty yard bombs to James Washington? Oh, a ton. And, like and you're right. They were number eight in the conference in time of possession. Oklahoma State was. You yeah. want to know who was number one? Uh, Iowa State. Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay. So that, that oh, argument, Iowa State is five. My argument totally is blown out of the water. I just nuked you. I I I, I really didn't mean to. Like but, I was. But no, that, that's what I'm saying. Lincoln Riley made an effort to yep. control the ball more this year than I've ever seen him. Once he became head coach, it's like he understands what he has to do. But you can't say, I mean, you look at drives, times. I mean, possession, yes, but Josh, you have to admit, Oklahoma had a lot of short, explosive drives. Three-play well, drives, four-play drives. Did. I mean, Oklahoma got the ball back frequently. So I'm sure the, those times of possession probably are skewed, though, when you end the game on a 9 you know, oh yeah, fifteen yeah. play oh, nine. Sure. No, Lincoln. Nine Lincoln. Drive. The one thing he did, it wasn't as much, you know, controlling the 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 ball as it was when he got a lead at the end of games. He grinded it out. Yeah, that's that's probably the biggest difference. Yeah, in in him being the head coach and offensive coordinator versus him just being the offensive coordinator. And you can do that though when you have a really good offensive. But line. look, I'm not. Uh, I'm not here to make excuses for the defense. I know that's what I'm doing. I'm just <laughs> saying what I'm saying is it's not all apples to apples. Like when you compare OU and OSU and their defense to um you know like Navy or something. It's just not it's not the same type of compare. And I wish that people would look at it that way. It's kind of a as much as I'm against like analytics and all that stuff. It is very, if you look at it analytically, there's a big difference between playing defense at, at some of the schools in the Big 12. And I think the bowl games show that out. I mean, look at Georgia. If Georgia had to play defense in the Big 12, I think we'd all agree 
they wouldn't be seen as such a revered defense after watching what Oklahoma did to them in the Rose Bowl. Oh, there's no question. I mean, they, that that first half, Georgia was just on skates. I mean, they looked as bad as a lot of Big 12 defenses. Yeah. I, I didn't think they offered any more, you know. I, if you asked me, t- Georgia in the first half or TCU, I'd take TCU eight days a week. But they're used to playing against that kind of stuff. Yep. No, no. That, that, and that's and that Georgia made good adjustments at halftime. There's no question. They just started kicking OU's ass after halftime it, up front. Well, it's amazing how much winning up front matters. Because the fourth quarter, OU's offensive line kind of got it going again. All of a sudden, OU started moving the ball again. You know what's amazing is the – and I think I said this before. What's amazing is – you watch the national championship game and Georgia's defensive line. Other guys were, were the guys that were standouts. Like the Tyler Cox. Was that the guy's name? The 52? Like he, uh, he didn't do anything really against Alabama. Their interior offensive line was so much better than Oklahoma's yet kind of with Alabama. What is, I mean, we don't talk about this, but like Alabama and sec teams, their, their edges aren't as good in that conference. Like Alabama almost historically has all these, you know, highly regarded tackles that don't really perform all that well when they face really good edge people. Oh, uh, there's still no telling how much money Eric Stryker cost. Uh, not Cam Robinson. Who was the guy before he had him. the weird name? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, Quanjo. Yeah. Quanjo. Yeah. So, Anyway, I I didn't want to have a podcast where people are like, Kane's making excuses for the defense game. <laughs> Which I kind of did. So, there you go. All right. Um, I think that's about it, fellas. Trey Young's show moves on to this weekend. Bedlam. Stillwater. Bedlam. Got to win it with Kansas coming up Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? Or is it Monday? I think it's Tuesday. I think it's Tuesday. Yeah, they need because I think it is Tuesday because they play uh, Kansas on Big Monday up there. I thought, guys, you were talking about hoops earlier. Is there any state that if OU could just cut trips out of their basketball schedule, it'd be Kansas? They don't want to go to Bramlage. They don't want. They certainly don't want to go to Allen. I like, like it when they go to Allen, though. I mean, that, no, I mean the buddy awesome game us, doesn't happen the if they don't go to game. Allen Fieldhouse. They, I don't know. I just you got to keep trying. With Kansas, you just got to keep trying. Eventually, At some point, they're not going to win the conference. Kansas will drop. A couple I don't know games. if it's going to be this year, after that West Virginia game. Yeah, I, I think they'll. They still had drop no a couple business games. winning that game, and they. I mean, still if won. Kansas State plays like they did on Tuesday night, they'll beat Kansas in Manhattan. Um, yeah, I just don't, I don't know. It'll be tough. It's going to be really tough. Oh, you need to. You would uh, think that Tech would back. beat them in Lubbock after they beat them in Manhattan or in uh, Lawrence. You would think TCU still has to uh, go up to Lawrence, I think, because they already won in Fort Worth. So it would be interesting. It's a good conference. It's going to be a lot of fun over the next month, big month. And you got uh, next Saturday. You got uh, the uh, OU Alabama showdown in the SEC Challenge with uh, Alabama just beat uh, Auburn. Yeah, I forgot it, guy's night. name. And they, they did, yeah, they did it without calling Sexton. So, yeah, that should be a really good game next Saturday. All right, uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Unofficial Forty. Thanks to uh, Josh McQuiston. Thanks to Eddie Radosevich and boys. We'll see you again next week. And uh, OU Junior Days will be the first. Will be behind them. We'll have some more recruiting as we get closer and closer to signing day. 
A lot of drama, I'm sure, to play itself out. Michael Thompson, uh, Deshaun White uh, trying to hold off uh, Texas A&M coaches from sneaking into his bedroom. Uh, All that good stuff. So uh, until next time, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time right back here on the Unofficial 40. Podcasts from Soonerscoop.com.